the Vancouver Hockey Show for another week. Andrew Wadden alongside producer Aaron as we look back at the week that was for the Vancouver Canucks. And Aaron, hey, if you're a Canuck fan, I think you're feeling pretty good about going 2-1-0, and especially when you consider the competition that came through town, the Devils, the Wild, the Hurricanes, all playoff teams last year. I know technically all three of them kind of uh, struggling this year in terms of what their fans would expect from them. But I mean, if you finish off a week where you get two wins out of three, I mean, hey, can't go wrong with that. Some pretty big games and also all at home, too. So, you know, you want to play good games in front of the home crowd. So, yeah, no, great effort this week. Let's hit rewind a little bit because you did pop the VHS in. So let's look back at Tuesday, the 6-5 loss to the New Jersey Devils. One of the things I liked about the game, I did like that Luke Hughes scored. I I know that he's on the opposition and I know that this is a Vancouver Canucks podcast, but you got to feel good for the kid getting a goal uh, against his older brother and the first time playing against him. And of course, Jack scoring in that game as well. The thing I didn't like, Aaron, we missed out on the Hughes trick. Weren't able to get Quinn Hughes a goal. But all of them had a point. They all had a point, though. There you go. So, And one of the the things I liked about that from that game as well, I heard some people saying, okay, it's one of those games where you just burn the tape. But I kind of liked the effort at the end. Like, they they fought. They made it a one-goal game in the end. Again, it's not one of those, you know, games that you're going to want to, you know, call it a Picasso or anything like that from Vancouver. But I like the fact that they, you know, they fought and they made it a one-goal game. And really, it sort of set the tone, I feel, for, for the rest of the week. I really thought we were going into overtime on that one. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it. It really did. They had some momentum there. And if you're New Jersey, though, on the other side, because you've been sort of faltering all year, just haven't been able to really find your groove, like you're leaving Vancouver, like, that's a good win for us. A good win for the Canucks was the Thursday 2 nothing shutout over the Wild. How about Casey Smith? 26 saves. It's his first shutout as a Canuck. And I know on the previous podcasts that I used to be on, we used to talk about backup goaltending and talk about the fact that Eh, you want somewhere around 27 games, maybe 30 games for the backup if you're really lucky. Well, Casey Smith right now has pl- appeared in nine games for the Canucks, and his numbers are pretty damn good. In fact, he's got a better save percentage than Demko, and it's like one point better. It's like 9.16 to 9.17. But still, that's that's a decent stat. Like if you're looking at what you need from your backup goaltender, like you want him to sort of be at par or on pace. With your starter, you don't want it to be glaring, you know, when Demko starts and when DeSmith starts. So really liked that from him. And that first period, yeah, it felt like we were playing half court, like, you know, basketball. It was like everything was down on the Canucks end. Everything was heading to DeSmith. Like, I'm surprised we didn't catch. Well, I'm, I guess, well, Hoaglander did catch the goalie sleeping on the other end with that goal finally in the first, but. First 10 minutes, they didn't even get a shot on goal. Yeah, exactly. For the Canucks. So again, you know. Yeah, you got to like the fact that they were able to, you know, sort of weather that storm and then be able to, uh, you know, sort of pick up the game. And and again, against a team like the Wild that are really not playing up to what uh, a lot of people thought they would be this year. Lastly, the Saturday night game, the 4-3 win over Carolina. So after that win, and of course, we'll get to some of the highlights of that game, including Elias Patterson, because I want to talk about what he did in that game a little bit later on. But after that game, come Sunday morning... And you looked at the NHL standings, the Canucks were nine points clear of the wildcard spots in terms of playoffs. So you want to talk about how important starts, good starts to the season are. I mean, that shows you right there in terms of the amount of points that the Canucks banked to be able to have a step back like they have over the last, what, 12 games or so 
to be able to still be in the position that they are. Now, a lot of this has to do with the fact that the NHL hands out loser points, right? And that's where we get this sort of uh, fake parody kind of. But at the same time, too, that's just what the league is. And the fact of the matter is the Canucks on Sunday morning were nine points clear of the wild card. It's pretty impressive. Okay, so let's get into some of the bigger sort of topics swirling around the team. Some of the things that I've been thinking about uh, this week with the Vancouver Canucks. And I think it's pretty easy to start with this guy, Aaron, Andre Kuzmenko. I mean, to say he had a rough week would be maybe underselling it. He gets called out by the coach after the loss to New Jersey, gets demoted to the fourth line. And let me just read out some of these analytics for you from Andre Kuzmenko. And of course, the coach saying, hey, listen. He's got to back check more. And these are some of the analytics that the head coach and the coaching staff do not want to hear it. Five on five last week, 34% Corsi, which is second worst on the team, 26% shot share. He was outscored three, nothing at five on five with him on the ice expected goals for at 42%. Like these are not numbers that are Andre Kuzmenko like, but at the same time too, we talked about last week, sort of being a one dimensional player and how one dimensional players just aren't going to work in Rick Tockett's system. I mean, Andre Kuzmenko is the poster child for a one-dimensional player right now. And and the fact is, though, he's not even producing on the one dimension that he usually does, which is offense. You can see why he's in this doghouse right now. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like Kuzmenko's better than this. But part of me like looks at the talk from Tockett and... You know, it's kind of when you when you have a, a relationship with somebody and they constantly tell you that, oh, you suck. And then you start to believe it. I don't I wonder if it's that case. Is there actually something behind the scenes going on where there's an actual effort or is this relationship just done with this team? So you need you want a little more good cop, bad cop. Is that what you're saying here? Or is it something like that? Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, uh, it was it was Elliot Friedman on the panel saying that, hey, there's Kuzmenko talk going around, you know, and it's like, well, we well, brought it up last week. Yeah. We brought it up last week. We put it out in a video on TikTok. We asked the people as well and on Instagram as well. And of course, you should be following us. But we asked them, like, what is the future for Andre Kuzmenko? And I was even thinking to myself, well, we made that video. I'm like, am I maybe jumping the gun a like, little too early here? But after hearing what the coach had to say, he's fed up at this point because Rick Tockett's a fair coach. I think that's something that we all can agree on. Like, he will lay it bare for you and tell you exactly what he expects from you. And if you don't meet those expectations, then you're no good to him. And that's what Kuzmenko has done right now. And, you know, at five and a half million dollars, that is the kind of contract that some teams can swallow. But you're you're taking away a lot of the top end of the league if you want to try to make a deal in that regard. Plus, a lot of the top end of the league don't need one-dimensional guys that are just point producers, right? The Calgary Flames even come to mind. They're, they're down there when it comes to league scoring. Like, maybe they could. But at the same time, too, when you've got a guy whose coach is saying, well, he's got a back check, you're not really selling him to the rest of the market. Uh, before we get off uh, a koozie as well, though, Aaron, can you guess how many goals he's had in the last month of hockey? One. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Seizing some opportunity. There's two guys. We talked about it. These guys last week as well, but you got to love that they're stepping up right now. Sam Lafferty. Let's start with him making the most of playing in the top six. He's on pace right now for 23 goals this year. Now that's going to come down. And I believe that his opportunity in the top six might not be too long. We'll see if he continues to produce. Maybe I'll eat my words. 
His career high is 28 points, which he had last year between Chicago and Toronto. But the difference between the years that Sam Lafferty's been in the league and now is that he's getting this opportunity. This was not an opportunity that he got in Toronto. Perhaps it was in Chicago. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really watch him with the Blackhawks, but did see him with the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs are pretty stacked up top. So he can blend into the furniture easily on but the team. Like sure. The Leafs. Yeah. But also too, not even, not only that, like he's not going to, he's going to play in more of a shutdown role. Whereas now that he's top six, able to play with guys that are, you know, top six caliber players, he's showing what he can do. Like that's, that's, that's pretty much a home run. I feel like for, for the Canucks and those Hoaglander really taking advantage of his opportunity right now as well is meshing very well with Miller and Besser analytics really strong. Did you notice that hustle play he had where it was the defender had it, he was coming into the zone and he anticipated that the defenseman was going to make a cross ice pass. And he just did a Superman leap across and he knocked down the pass. I mean, it was just, they, they ended up getting the turnover or anything like that, but it just shows you like how engaged he was. And there was a whistle like really shortly afterwards and the camera goes right to Hoaglander and like, he's panting like a dog in, in heat. Like he, you could see, he's just giving it all out there. And if you're Nils Hoaglander, you know that Rick Tockett notices these sort of things. Yep. And I think he had a great game against the wild too. a goal, a couple big hits. Like he's, he's just getting it done. Yeah. I mean, he's the kind of player. I think that the Canuck fans were anticipating that he was going to be, these are the kind of guys you need as well. Like when I mentioned Sam Lafferty, like Sam Lafferty is taking advantage of the situation that he's in. But to me, Sam Lafferty is a bottom six type player. He's got some good wheels, can play a bit of a shutdown game. But Nils Hoaglander is one of those guys that, yeah, he's got bottom six capabilities in terms of, you know, just being in the fight and, and trying to, you know, play sound structured hockey. But he's also got some offensive flair as well. And we're starting to see that a little bit from him. So one of those guys that you, you really like to have because you know, they can, whether they're given that shutdown role, they can take advantage of that, or whether they're given the opportunity of being in the top six, uh, they seize that as well. So I'm liking that from Hoaglander right now. And I think Canuck fans are loving it too. And again, when you look at, you know, perhaps what could be trade assets moving forward, you know, maybe this opens up different guys for you, you, you to consider like an Andre Kuzmenko because of the fact that uh, Nils Hoaglander is playing so well. So is Elias Pettersson. <laughs> we mentioned Elias Pettersson on the pod last week, and and I I don't think the injury talk is is really coming back. Like it just I know it was there, and some people were trying to perhaps use it as a I don't want to say excuse, but maybe hey, what's going on with Petey? Is he hurt? Because it just feels like he can't take a step back. He's got to have something wrong, right? And we'll put it this way: he's got seven points in four games this month. He dominated on Saturday night. Like absolutely dominated that game winning goal, Aaron, and the way the puck got wrapped around. And I think it was Mikheyev, your boy. You're loving Mikheyev, by the way, right now. Rims it around the boards, and just the way that PD used his ass to shelter out Sebastian Aho, and then give the wrap around. Like that's that's Sidney Crosby right there. Like just use your butt. You know, mm-hmm. and just be able it, to. It was it was a bumper, all right. Like absolutely on the corner there. Yeah. Absolutely, I felt like it was at like a Jamaican dance hall or something. There's bumpers everywhere, but yeah, I love that from from Patterson. And I mean, tied for fourth in league scoring as of Sunday morning, 37 points. I mean, the guy is just he's doing it all for the Canucks, and I think we're starting to see different elements of his game right now, which is crazy considering that i mean he's developing into just a true superstar in this game i think the same can kind of be said for jt miller in terms of you know breaking into superstardom and guide 40 points now he's second in the league scoring 
as of Sunday morning. Analytics, though, they're not really flattering for JT this week. Expected goal percentage of just 35%, which, funny enough, is the lowest on the team. Now, despite the trends not really going his way, you know, his goals for, his goals against are even. It was 4-4 this week at 5-on-5. But the one thing that you got to be concerned about with JT Miller and his line, bleeding far too many chances. Scoring chances were 31-19 with Miller on the ice last week. Four points in, in three games and three of them at even strength. So you got like to see that, but that also ties into the struggling power play, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But even though JT Miller is sort of trending downwards, when you look at the analytics from this week, that's where the eye test versus, you know, analytics really comes in. And despite the fact that, yeah, somebody can tell, tell you, hey, JT Miller had a poor week, he still was second in the team in scoring and is second in the NHL in scoring. So, And as Vic and Kenny pointed out on the alternative highlights, 40 points already yes. this season and uh, still looks pissed off about it. He so, still yeah. looks pissed. Only JT Miller can you know celebrate with a scowl. Yeah, The power play is something, though, that... We, we got to talk about it a little bit because it's, it's struggling. And, and maybe it was sort of punching above its weight class early on in the year. And, and so were the Canucks. We know all about the PDO discussion and all that stuff and how everybody. But also we faced Edmonton three times, right? And yeah. they had a horrible start. So like, yeah. Yeah. And we all know about the PDO and how everybody was, that was outside of Vancouver basically didn't want to acknowledge the Canucks for being a good team and basically said it's all luck and this and that. And there was a little bit of truth to that, as we've seen over the last little while. Because before November 16th, their power play was clicking at 33%. Now, since November 16th, they've gone 6, 6, and 0. And the power play is at 13.5%. Last week, over the three games, just one goal, one for nine. So the power play is definitely something that the Canucks are going to have to look to try to figure out right now, because that's a strength of theirs, Aaron. If this team is going to have success, especially in the playoffs, they're going to have to find themselves some more goals with the extra attackers out there because... And, and I feel like right at the start of the season, I felt like, oh, power play, guaranteed goal. Here we go. And that's what it felt like, yeah. you know, so... And the PK was always something that was, was, was their issue. And I'm not saying that right now the power play is 100% an issue, but it's definitely had some poor trends over the last, which is now, you know, close to a month. Right. If we look at that at that date of November 16th. So power play is going to have to get going, see what they can do there. And, and hey, maybe that's the way uh, to unlock Andre Kuzmenko and sort of get that confidence uh, back up. OK, before we get out of here, I want to talk about Ethan Bear, because I feel like I feel like a lot of people are like kind of forget what Ethan Bear was like. Ethan Bear was OK. With the Vancouver Canucks. Like, am I wrong? Like, I just thought he was fine. Didn't jump off the page to me. I don't, you tell me, Aaron, what did you think of Aaron, Ethan Bear last year? Like, to me, it was just fine. Yeah. I mean, I liked him. He was getting some stuff done. I, I felt like, you know, he would, he was good in his role, but then, you know, it's, it's been a few months since I've seen him on the ice, right? Well, so you kind too. of, yeah. So you kind of like, you know, do you romanticize it a little too much, right? Like in your head. Well, and I think that's what it is as well. And I know Ethan Bearer said that, you know, he want, he would like to sign with the Vancouver Canucks. And I believe his pr preference was to be signed back with the Canucks. As of this recording right now, he hasn't signed with anybody. So maybe he will still be pursued by the Canucks. But it feels like there's better options to me, especially with the cap space that they have. Now, 
If the plan is to sign Bear and still make a deal, like, like can I get behind that? I don't know. Because at the same time, too, when Carson Susi comes back, like, then there's going to be, you know, he's going to slot in, right? So they're not going to really have the money to be able to bring in two guys. So you'd have to subtract somebody. And maybe the listener right now is going, Myers, that's Myers, trade Myers. Well, let's keep in mind too, like he carries a $6 million cap hit. And a lot of teams can't absorb $6 million right now. At least not of the the teams that are, you know, trying to make runs for Stanley Cups. Well, especially the team that you want to get a certain player off of. What, the Calgary Flames? Yes. Yeah. Chris Town's my guy, man. Like, I just, he he's a home run for this team, it feels like. Now, there's other options. You could look at Philadelphia. I know Sean Walker's available or perhaps available. It's UFA at the end of this year, and he's going to get a significant uh, raise in in the offseason from the looks of it. But the Flyers are having a fantastic year. So why would Philadelphia really want to trade that? Ilya Labushkin's in Anaheim, and I think he has his warts, but he's a hard ass. Like, he's straight up you know, meat and potatoes kind of guy. Bit of a different element than what Ethan Bear can bring. Ethan Bear's kind of can bring you a little bit of offense, kind of two-way sort of guy. But to me, it's shutdown. Like, you need a shutdown defender. You need somebody to put next to Quinn Hughes. And we've seen them work together before with Chris Tanov. He knows the city. You know he loves the organization. I mean, I had him on my radio show the day that he signed with the Calgary Flames. And I'm sure he's enjoyed his time in Calgary, but I mean, here's a guy that the Canucks know very well, and he's exactly what they need. Now, the difference is between him and those other two guys that I mentioned, and even Ethan Bear, he holds a four and a half million dollar cap hit right now. So there's either going to have to be something going the other way, or Calgary's going to have to hold on to some money. But at the same time, too, if you're the Calgary Flames, you're in this race right now as well. Why the hell do you want to move Chris Tanov to, you know, someone in your division, for one thing, you know, to sort of help them? So I think with Tanov, unless a team, you know, is desperate enough to give Cal or to overpay, per se, for Chris Tanov before the trade deadline, I think Tanov's one of those names that makes it all the way to March. And Calgary sort of figures out exactly what they are at that point. Because if Calgary's in the race, how do you turn to your fans and go, yeah, we're shipping out Lindholm, Tanov, uh, you know, what's the mascot's name again? <laughs> Harvey the Hound or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you even sell that to your fan base if you are actually still in the hunt? So I think with Tanov, I think things are going to play out a little bit here. And, and perhaps with Sean Walker as well, because of the way that Philadelphia is playing, but the Anaheim Ducks aren't making the playoffs. I'm going out. I'm not going out on a limb saying that right now. You know, maybe a guy like Labushkin is the right guy for the Canucks to look at. And also too, with his cap hit just being under $3 million, like even if he's not in your lineup every night, uh, that could still help your depth significantly. Okay. Before we get out of here, I want to tell everybody, of course, you got to follow us. You got to subscribe got to like, you got to comment, you got to do all this stuff. And rather than ramble off everywhere, yeah, it's all easy. Yeah, You go to the website, sportshouse.ca, that's H-A-U-S. All the links are right there to go to wherever you like to follow. And check out too, we got uh, exclusive videos that come out just on our YouTube page, Instagram, TikTok, stuff like that. Just little one minute stuff, usually asking you guys for your opinion, giving our thoughts and uh, between the weeks here, as we just do one episode a week here with the podcast, uh, we'll ramp things up as we move along here, but uh, slow and steady. It is the holiday season after yes. all. So. Slow and steady right now. And yeah, a lot of people are thinking about to the holidays and, and what they're going to be doing over the holidays as well. So 
Uh, we'll be with you guys week in and week out here. But uh, if you do want to follow us, please do so on all your favorite platforms and check out uh, sportshouse.ca. All right. For producer Aaron, I'm Andrew Wadden. This is another edition of the Vancouver Hockey Show. Show that's made just for you.